It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. of you who continue to join us in worship we have said repeatedly that we don't take that for granted we don't take that lightly we know that you have choices and the fact that you have decided to worship with us we are so grateful but can I tell you something more than our gratitude God is grateful when you give him worship and so without us prodding you pushing you without us telling you how to do it I just want you, wherever you are, in whatever way is comfortable for you. You know, when someone does something for you, you say thank you. And so in whatever way that God has been good to you, would you give him a measure of thanks based on how good he's been to you? If he's been a little good, then you give him a little thanks. If he's been real good, then you give him a real thank you. So wherever you are, with you in whatever way is comfortable, whether it's clapping, whether it's shouting, whether it's bowing, whether it's kneeling, which is just giving thanks in your own way. another Sunday that we collectively gather to say that we give our own wills and our own pleasure and our own desires away that you God would use us the eyes of the Lord look to and fro just looking to see who we could use and so God we thank you that you who sit so high would look so low and use someone like us God would you take these next few moments that we gather together and use this to help give your name glory and your name the honor that it deserves, but also to reach those who are discouraged, despondent, afraid, those who may not even know you. And we'll be so very careful, God, to not take glory or praise to ourselves, but to give you the glory that only belongs to you. And it's in the name that is above all others, in the mighty, majestic, powerful name of Jesus, we pray and we praise. Amen and amen and amen. Wherever you are, would you give him praise? Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. This is the day the Lord has made. We rejoice and we're glad. And I know for some of y'all, you're like, why are they so happy? Why are they so joyful? Listen, the circumstances in our lives. May, listen, I was on my way here. I spilled something on my pants. I said, I'm not going to let nothing stop the praise. 
listen, listen, you all, listen. I know, I know for some of you all, you just wonder why is it always so much noise at the Citadel of Faith Church? Why don't they just calm down? If you had a, a Tenanchi clue of what God has done in the lives of these people and in my life, you would not be wondering why we're praising. He's been that good to us. And let the redeemed of the Lord say something. <laughs> all right. Amen. Amen. We got we to gotta keep moving. We can stay there all day. Let me just say uh, again how grateful we are for all of you. And uh, thanks for Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, that is not just our song. That is our prayer. That is our declaration today. That because you live, no matter what it is that's going on, we can face it because we know that you got tomorrow already figured out. And God, we don't put our hope and we don't put our trust in a vaccine. We don't put our hope and our trust in a job. We don't put it in government. We put our hope in the cross and that alone. It's, it's there that we find and we have victory. So thank you again, God, for another privilege for your word to speak to us, to encourage us, to give us a fresh perspective. Holy Spirit, would you breathe on this word that it would not just be logos, not just written words, but it would be rhema. It would be a word coming from your mouth to us. Holy Spirit, if you don't speak, we can't hear. And so we move ourselves out of the way. We come against flesh. And we pray, God, that your spirit would shine through. Get the glory, get the honor and praise is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. So grateful again for our worship team. And we thank God for the worship that's been lifted to God's name. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with us to the book of Revelation. Revelation uh, is where we have been for the past several weeks and we will continue to be in the book of Revelation for a little while. Revelation chapter 8 beginning at verse 1. Revelation chapter 8 beginning at verse 1. I'm reading from the New International Version. It says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. I want you to hear that again. When he opened the seventh seal, there was, what's that, silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the angels, seven angels, who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. I want to talk today from this subject, peace in the process. Peace in the process, you all. For everything that we go through in life, there involves a process. Uh, as a matter of fact, I cooked my first Thanksgiving meal with my family. We normally go to one of our relatives' house. My mother went home to be with the Lord. My wife normally visits her family in Chicago. So we rarely have ever, we've never cooked the turkey. I've never cooked dressing. I cooked dressing, y'all, and it was unbelievable. I want y'all to know Jesus loves my dressing. Uh, uh, but you all, I also came to know as I prepared Thanksgiving dinner, uh, the reason why some meals taste nasty and some meals taste better is because when you do stuff quick, it don't come out right. When you take a little time, uh, I, I found that you have to marinate smoked turkey as a base for greens for like hours uh, for it to really fall off the bone and act as a broth. I didn't know that, but you all, when you do something that involves a process, uh, it takes time and it's difficult for most of us to deal with things that take time. And so, y'all, I want to talk today as we are in the subject of Advent and we're talking about each Sunday and what each word means. Last week, hope was the word. Today, on this second week that we are celebrating this second Sunday in Advent, uh, even though many may say it's the third week, we are in the second week, uh, we want to talk about peace. 
You all, you've heard me give this story before, but there was a very wealthy man who decided to have a contest internationally. He wanted people to come to Paris and to depict uh, in painting uh, a depiction of what perfect peace looks like. So he said that I'm going to give close to $5 million to whoever would come and bring canvas and oil and paint a depiction of what peace looks like. So finally, it was narrowed down to about three or four people who came uh, after many thousands had been eliminated and so now these three or four people are before this uh, incredibly wealthy man he's watching them begin to paint their idea of what peace looked like well one man he decided to place a paint a picture of a beautiful sunset and the water completely still no waves moving and the sun beautifully setting down over the horizon. He knew that he was going to win. The colors were vibrant. The waters were deep and blue. He knew that this would be the depiction of peace that would win the money. Another man said, no, I'm going to paint a beautiful picture of a mountainside scene with the beautiful snow cascading off of the mountain and the pine trees jutting up into the blue sky and literally no, no clouds in the sky. This is a peaceful scene. He knew that he would be the winner. Well, the third guy's painting was unlike the other two. This third guy had a picture of a tumultuous waterfall, the water rushing over the side of a cliff, and a twig or a branch sticking out, jutting out from the mountain. And on that twig or on that stick or on that branch was a bird perched and the bird was seemingly singing a song. Uh, it didn't look very peaceful. There was a tumultuous waterfall. There was just a stick sticking out. He said, uh, the other painter said, look, man, you are so out of uh, whack. You're not going to win this. Well, of course, as the man came by to evaluate each one, he looked at the beautiful seaside scene with the setting sunset. He said, no, that's not really peaceful to me. He looked at the beautiful mountainscape. He said, no, that's not really what I'm looking for. He awarded the multi-million dollar prize to the guy who had the tumultuous waterfall and this little branch with a bird sticking out on it singing. He said, well, the other said, why, why did he win? Ours was much more quiet, much more placid. What was it about his? He said, well, anybody can depict peace in the absence of trouble. Anybody can depict peace in the absence of struggle. But this guy decided to show us a bird perched on a branch singing a song in the middle of a tumultuous situation. You all, peace by itself. Listen, you cannot even talk about peace unless it's juxtaposed against a problem. You cannot talk about the peace of God unless you stand that up against a trial or a situation or a circumstance. So peace by definition cannot act in silence or act in isolation. It must act in concert with something that it is connected to. Well, Pastor, what does this have to do with the book of Revelation? I'm so glad that you asked. You all, we have noticed a lot of things that have happened since we've journeyed. First of all, we see that John was placed in solitude confinement. John was sent to the island of Patmos as a criminal because of preaching the gospel. Indeed, long before there was social distancing in society, we find that John was social distancing. You can't be no more socially distant than being trapped on an island by yourself. It's amazing that when you're trapped by yourself, others may think that you're out of hope and you're out of help, but God always looks for those who seemingly are by themselves. And so even though he's on an island by himself, God sends an angel to him and says, I'm getting ready to show you the things that are and the things that are to come. Indeed, John was the first person ever who got a chance to have an eyewitness account of what would happen in the future. And so in chapter one, we see John being called by God and being ministered to by this angel. In chapter two, we see the messages in chapters two and three to the seven churches. Remember that? He said, I want to make sure that we now know what these seven churches need to know to survive. And I believe it was not just a message to those seven churches alone in Asia Minor, but also to us as well. But then you always saw in chapter four, he said, now let's not just look at things that are, let's look at things that are to come. Let's go up to the throne room. So in chapter four, 
before. We saw the lamb. We saw the elders. We saw the four living creatures that were around the throne of God. We got an idea to get an eyewitness account as to what the throne room of God looks like. In chapter 5, we saw the one sitting on the throne with a scroll in his hand. And we saw Jesus, the lamb of God, coming and grabbing the scroll. And in chapter 6, we saw the breaking of the seals that were on the scroll. Remember that? Each of the seals that were broken were accompanied by unbelievable calamity that hit the earth. Every time a seal was broken, something happened on the earth. When one seal was broken, there was famine. Another seal was broken, we saw that there was war. Another seal was broken, we saw that there was false peace. Remember that? Another seal was broken, and we saw that there were earthquakes. And so in chapter 6, we saw the unbelievable judgments that were accompanied by the seals. And then in chapter 7, we saw that in the midst of all this, God still chose to call a remnant. No matter what's happening, no matter what judgment is happening in the world, God is still in the business of saving souls. In the midst of a pandemic, God is still in the midst of saving souls. And so we see that now 12,000 from each of the tribe of Israel are being saved in the midst of this unbelievable tribulation. So now we turn the corner, you all, to chapter 8. And let me just say this. Everything that we have seen up to this point, every judgment that we've seen, a quarter of the earth being killed, uh, things hitting the earth like meteors, people asking and begging, God, hide us in the mountains from this calamity. Listen, famine, global famine and persecution. The Bible says all of those were like contractions to a pregnant woman. In other words, everything that we saw happening all the way up to this point, he says, the judgment that's getting ready to happen in the rest of the book of Revelation, what's, uh, what's happened before are like the contractions of someone getting ready to have birth. So before the trumpets are sounded and the trumpets are going to be unbelievable judgment. I chose, by the way, before Christmas to not talk about the trumpets. I just said, listen, y'all, we got to have some kind of joy in 2020. I can't just talk about the judgment in the bowls uh, during Christmas. Uh, so let me just find a way to find another way to still be in Revelation. And I'm so glad God heard me because in the beginning of chapter 8, and this is amazing to me, God says these words. Look at what it says, verse, verse 1 in chapter 8. When he opened the seventh seal, now he's already opened up six of the seals, but he opens up the last seal, what happens? There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. In other words, God was saying before calamity hits, before the judgment intensifies, I'm going to give heaven and I'm going to give my people a chance to have a pause and a moment to rest. Listen, you all, God wants us to enjoy the rhythm of peace. There's a book that I want to recommend for you to read, and for many of you all who are avid readers, you may want to write this down. Gordon McDonald. Gordon McDonald has a book called Ordering Your Private World, one of the greatest and best books that I've ever read. It's, it's called Ordering Your Private World. It's by Gordon McDonald. Let me read to you uh, one of the quotes from his book. He says, few of us can fully appreciate the terrible conspiracy of noise. There's a balance noise denies us, the silence and solitude that we need for the cultiv cultivation of our inner person. It would not be hard to believe that the arch enemy of God has conspired to surround us at every conceivable point in our lives with the interfering noises of civilization that, when left unmuffled, usually drowns out the voice of God. God does not shout to make himself known. You all, I believe that in our technologically advanced society, Nothing evil about technology. God uses it. It can be a very wonderful thing. But in the midst of all of the distractions that we have now in our hand and on our screen and in our car and Bluetooth, for many of us, we don't even know how to be still. We don't know how to be quiet. We don't know how to stop and to take a moment and have rest. 
So I want to just say to those of us that are in the midst of this season of Advent and this season of Christmas coming up to December the 25th, in an unprecedented year, in a time in American and global history and maybe in your own personal history that you've never seen before, here is my question. Are you now rushing to do Christmas like you did every other year? Are you rushing to do things uh, in this season like you've done every other season? Or would you maybe take this moment where God has asked us to maybe in the midst of being sheltered in, in the midst of being locked away from in connecting, to take a moment to unplug, to take a moment to be still and know that he's God. I want to encourage that those of you who find a challenge for this, to know that maybe your soul is not experiencing the wholeness that God would have for it to experience because of the busyness of life. If, if, if Revelation chapter 8 says that God allowed heaven to be quiet for half an hour, you should be able to be quiet for half an hour. Why is it that you got to always talk all the time? What is, it about your, what is it about you that makes you think that your voice is so important that everybody got to hear it all the time? And for some of y'all, if, if you can't say it, you got you to type it. You got to text it. You got to post it. You got to always gotta, you gotta, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, listen to me, watch me. Maybe God wants you to shut it down, be still, and know that he's God. Listen, there's nothing evil about this stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong, because it's not. There's nothing evil about social media. There's nothing evil about technology. It's okay to have it, but does it have you? And if, if, if right now the, the idea of putting it down brings you anxiety, it is exhibit A that it has you. And so I'm not going to prescribe to you what this season may look like, but if we're saying that this is the Sunday of peace, then I want us to think through what does peace look like for you? What does it look like for you to say, I need to find a rhythm of peace? Well, Pastor, what does this have to do with, with maybe this season of the year? I'm glad you asked. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8, because I think this is so appropriate. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, very familiar passage of Scripture, particularly during this season of the year. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want to read that last verse. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The joy of me being able to kind of uh, uh, study the scriptures and know the Bible is that you all, uh, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, you have to understand this because we have no context of this, for, for, for thousands of years, the saints of God who uh, were waiting in, in anticipation for a Messiah to come and a Savior to come, now the fulfillment of their waiting was here. And so you are, we don't have any idea because we always know that he came and we know the story of Bethlehem and we know the story of Mary and all of that. But they had no idea how he would come or when he would come and the way that he would come. And definitely in their lifetime, they never dreamed that the Savior or the Messiah of the world would come in their lifetime. And you all, I can't imagine that for those of us that are on the earth now who believe that one day Jesus Christ will also come back again 
He will not come back as a baby in a manger. He will not come back as a suffering servant. But when he comes back, he will come back to be king of kings and lord of lords. You all have no idea. His second coming will be his final arrival on earth to establish his kingdom. And he's going to do away with, listen, everything that is sinful. Many of you are, have you ever read the scriptures and, and ever wondered how in the world could God have killed everybody in the first flood? Do you understand that he killed babies? Do you do know that when the ark was built and Noah and his family and the animals all went in and God shut the door, that every person in the world was murdered? And the question is, why would God do that? Let me tell you why. The Bible says that at that time, all of humanity only thought to do evil continually. Sin had infested the hearts of mankind at the level that everybody was only thinking to do evil always, and it was okay for God to judge sin. The wages of sin is death. And before God comes and destroys the earth again, what is he doing? He's allowing the hearts of man once again to wax cold. He's allowing humanity to become debased and evil and sinful and redefine scripture and redefine God so that man will once again only think to do evil continually. And when God comes again, he will destroy the earth, not by water, but by fire. And everybody will be killed again when he establishes the final kingdom. So the early people were waiting for the Messiah that would come to save our souls. And now we're waiting for the king to come and ransom this earth. Not only will he save the earth from the people, but the earth itself has been contaminated by sin. The earth was not created to have thorns and thistles. The earth was not created to have tornadoes and mansoons. The earth was not created to have the the sinful effects that now affect the way that creation itself behaves. <laughs> so that is why God is going to make a new earth. And the new earth will be rid of all sin. And so I say to us to be in line with those who waited in anticipation for the Messiah to come that he would save their soul. We wait with anticipation again for the Messiah to come and to redeem humanity. These shepherds were the ones that God decided to speak to. Now you all, shepherds uh, was a noble occupation, but there was a downside to shepherding. Shepherded, shepherds had a hard time, listen to this, maintaining religious purity as the Pharisees defined it. So even though they were godly people, they could not keep a lot of the religious festivals and a lot of the practices that the Pharisees did because of their occupation. They couldn't keep the Sabbath because sheep needed constant protection. Shepherds spent most of their times, you all, in the fields, away from society. They had no influence to speak of. In modern times, they would be considered blue-collar workers, largely unnoticed by those in power. Shepherds were in the lower classes of society. And so God chose to make his announcement to these shepherds who were abiding in the fields nearby watching over their flocks by night. And I just wonder today, those of you all that feel unnoticed and those of you all that feel marginalized and those of you who feel as though maybe your life is not that significant, uh, those have always been the people that God has come to. Those have always been the people that God has spoken to. Go back to uh, Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 9. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. Notice in Revelation, the angel of the Lord appeared to John. Now the angel of the Lord appears to the shepherd. I thank God that there are angels that God sends to minister to me. I thank God that there are angels that he sends to watch over me and protect me and keep me in all of my ways. Listen, I'm grateful that you may not call me, but I got an angel. You may not like me, but I got an angel. The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone about them. Poor in the fields, but got glory around them. 
not known by humanity, but got glory around them. I wonder how many of you right now are broken in your life, but there's still glory around you. I wonder how many of y'all have been despised by your own family. Your own family don't speak to you, but you got glory around you. Listen, you all, you may not be noticed by people. You may not be acknowledged by society, but there's a God who sees you. And when everybody else ignores you, he will appear to you. And when he shows up, he brings his glory with him. I thank God for the glory of God. Y'all don't understand what I'm talking about. I, I thank God that I don't need Citadel around to feel the presence of God. I don't need a worship team because a worship team can't go with me to the crib. I don't need everybody to be around me to pump me up because sometimes y'all might be sideways and act one way one day and another way another day. I thank God he is consistent and he's always with me. And when he comes, guess what he brings with me? He brings the fragrance of his presence and that is his glory. I thank God for the glory of God. You might like some Isimiyaki. Give me some glory. You might like Chanel, but give me some glory. Give me the presence and the fragrance of God. Oh, I feel like preaching today. Hmm. Here these shepherds are in the middle of the night, poor, disenfranchised, being mocked for not being religious because they had to work on the Sabbath. Who did God appear to? Not the kings in the palace. Not the religious elite. But he shows up to these shepherds. Now let me say this to you. <laughs> Many of us want God to show up. But when he shows up, he don't show up like we want him to. Remember when the disciples were in the boat? Remember this? And they were praying, Lord, save us. And Jesus comes walking on the water. First thing they said, it's a ghost. They didn't, they didn't acknowledge, we want you, Jesus, but we don't want you coming in a way that's going to scare us. We want to define how you come to us. He said, you can't tell me how to come to you. So God shows up, and when he does, rightfully so, the shepherds are terrified. You all, revelation can be terrifying for people that don't belong to God. The book of Revelation can be frightening for those who are not part of the family. But for each and every one of you that are watching and for those of you that are on your journey of discovery, the Re book of Revelation is nothing for you to be frightened about or to be terrified about because what seems to be bad for those who don't know God and those who are against God, for those of us that are for God and those who are in alignment with God, it is good news to us. When God shows up, they are terrified. But the next thing the angels say is, verse 10, do not be afraid. How do I have peace in the process? Be not afraid. Listen to me. You better hear me. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what circumstance the devil has painted on your, in, a, in, a, in a corner and you don't know how to get out of it. But can I tell you something? The scriptures say over and over again, fear not. Fear not. And I just want to say to you, if you're operating in fear, you are not operating in faith. Fear is false evidence appearing real. The Bible tells us that the devil goes around like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion, but he comes pretending like he's a roaring lion. Have y'all ever watched The Wizard of Oz? Remember the lion? He was so scary, it was unbelievable. The devil comes at you because he knows if you don't know who you are, he will tell you who you are. And he will begin to paint a picture about you that is not you. You've got to cast down every vain imagination and every thought that will exalt itself against what you know to be God. Listen, God didn't save you for you to lose. God did not save you for you to fail. God did not bring you out of that to not bring you out of this. So so child of God, fear not. Remember what he did before. He is going to do it again. Don't you worry about the future. He's got the future in his hands. Fear not. Fear not. Listen, y'all, I'm not saying that life won't make you a little uncomfortable. I'm not saying that being human doesn't make you mindful. 
I am saying that when that mindfulness moves to fear, you move into sin. Because you're saying to God, this situation is bigger than you. Cancer is bigger than you. My jobless situation is bigger than you. My sin and my addiction is bigger than you. There is nothing bigger than God. I don't care what it is. Fear not. Tell yourself fear not. Fear not. Tell yourself that. Open your mouth and tell yourself fear not. Fear not. Fear not. You know what? You need, to, you need to act like you got the victory. You need to walk like it. You need to talk like it. You need to your confession. Begin to mirror what you know the word of God says. You should live and not die and declare the work of the Lord. You shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. <laughs> oh, yeah, listen, listen. You know what? I can't make you receive the blessings of God. But you got two options. You can, either, you can either fear or have faith. You can either doubt or believe. Same energy, same time. You can just choose what you're going to do with it. Be not afraid. Well, why shouldn't I be afraid? Because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He says, listen, the news that I'm bringing to you it's not just going to bring you joy, but the news that I'm bringing to you will bring joy to all people. I thank God that when he saved you, it was not just for you, but the salvation that he's given for you is to be a blessing for people beyond you. He says the news that you're getting today, shepherds, is not just for you. But the news that you're receiving today will be a blessing to everybody. You've been blessed to be a blessing. You've been positioned to be a blessing. Some of y'all don't understand that you, you would not be where you are had God not strategically ordered your steps that your life would be a global blessing. You never could be where you are. You didn't even sign up for it. You look around and wonder, how did I get here? Because God says, my hand is on you. <laughs> when I first started preaching, they told me I was too too black to be white and too white to be black. So I couldn't go to another black church because I didn't hoop. And I couldn't go to the white churches because I was too loud. So they could not categorize me. And I remember when I was in college and the preachers would go on preaching trips. Bishop College. We would go to all the major cities and preach in various cities in LA and, and Michigan and Detroit and all these places. And they would send me to the storefronts. They said, you know, you're, you're a teacher. And the churches that really, mega churches and big churches, they really want a, a stone preacher. And you ain't a preacher. And then they said to me, I don't really even know who will listen to your preaching. I said, you know what I'm glad about? I'm glad you didn't call me. I'm glad that my future is not tied up in your opinion or your thought processes about who I am. Because the one who has called me, he will also equip me and he will establish me and he will do the things that he has ordained. And these jokers who decided to put me in storefronts, now I have preached all over the globe for the glory of God. Why am I saying that to you? Because I would have never thought that I would position myself. I couldn't have positioned myself. But in the trials of my childhood and in the trials of my young preaching life, God was forging character and he was forging ideas and mindsets and strategies to think out of the box that I might be who God called me to be. What is it that God is using your trials to do to shape your destiny? What is it that God has thrown in your life that you thought was God being against you, but that was the cultivating, that was the crucible that would boil off the stuff that wasn't worth nothing? Because you know what? If you can make it through your other marriage, you can make it through this. If you can make it through an abortion, you can make it through this. If you can make it through being laid off, you can make it through this. If you can make it through being ostracized by your family, you can make it through this. Could it be that God has sovereignly allowed you to go through pain and suffering, not because he don't love you, but he had to get you in a position that that stuff couldn't break you? 
the message I have for you, shepherds, is not just for you alone, but it's for the rest of the world. The blessings that you've been given, child of God, it ain't just for you. It's never been about you. You, you, you really thought this was about you, didn't you? But God says, no, 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 no. I need to create in the earth someone that can achieve this purpose. And I've got to allow suffering and skill and mindset to be formed in you so that you could do in the earth what nobody else could do. You need to understand that that's who you are and fear not. Verse 11, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He's the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. I'm almost done. So when he shows up, he also comes to us in a way that we don't expect. I would never expect a king to be in a feeding trough. See, we glorify the manger. The manger. We don't even know what mangers are. Away in a manger. What the heck is a manger? When do you ever use manger other than in December? When do you just, are you over in uh, Costco and saying, hey, anybody see what a manger is? There's no, we, we don't even know what swaddling clothes. What the heck are swaddling clothes? So we have glorified the Christmas story and he came and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and they laid him in a manger. Can I tell you what that means? The animals that were in the barn that were shivering cold, the old nasty animals, they took the clothes off other animals and wrapped it around Jesus. Well, you say, isn't that bad? Nasty stuff. All these nasty garments being wrapped around Jesus. Well, that's what flesh was to him. He was God, and he had to wrap himself in flesh. So it made sense that if he had to wrap himself in sinful flesh, he could also be wrapped in dirty linen. And he was placed in a manger. What is a manger? It was the feeding trough. It was what the animals ate from. Have you ever seen uh, horses and donkeys saliva? Have you ever seen how they drip? I'm talking about the long ones that just drip and dangle. They don't even just like fall. They just stay there for a long period of time. They move around and they move with them. They were all, that was all at the bottom of where Jesus was laid. Why would God place Jesus with swaddling clothes and in a manger filled with all kind of nastiness? Because God came into a world like that. Don't be grieved by swaddling clothes and a manger because he also was in a world that hated him. What is it like for the one that made the world to come to the world that they made and then all of a sudden that world rejects him? So this was just literally just a sneak preview of what was getting ready to happen. God shows up in situations, watch this now, that others don't understand. And I just want you to hear this today because I want you to know how to get peace, peace, peace in this process. You may think God is against you because of where you live. I'm in a manger. <laughs> but could it be that a holy thing has been placed in a manger so that for the rest of the world history, a manger's name has been redeemed by who laid in it? Could it be that God has chosen the situation he's placed you in for it to not define you, but your being there will define it? Could God have allowed you to live where you live and be with who you've been with and go through what you've gone through, that those things would not change you, but that you would change it? Peace. Peace in this process. Well, I'm almost done. Can you just let me read this last verse and then I'm out your way today? Because they say, you know, you know, attention spans for most folk is, you know, short. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God. 
It's the last thing. This is what the angels were saying. <coughs> Glory to God in the highest heaven. Psalms 148, one, you don't have to read it. Psalms 148 says, Glory to God in the highest. So that's what heaven does. That's why it was so amazing that in Revelation chapter 8, for half an hour, it wasn't doing that. We don't understand that there's never been a time in heaven's eternity that there's been silence. But because of what was getting ready to happen, God's creation, God's humanity was getting ready to be judged. Even heaven had to be silent. Even heaven had to be still for what was getting ready to come. Be still. And know that I'm God. And so heaven was giving glory, but here it is. And on earth, here's my question, where do you live? Earth. And on earth, well, you need, on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let me just say this to you. It'd be different if that's what I said. Pastor Kerry said, on earth, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. It'd be different if that's what the government had issued some kind of a, a, a special executive order that now on earth, peace. But, but this is not me. This is not government. This is not societal statements. This is God saying in the heavens, this is what heaven's going to be doing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, everybody on earth that belongs to God, peace. The Bible says when Jesus came, he says, I give you a peace, not as the world give it, but my peace, watch this now, and I love how, I love how uh, John, uh, uh, in Romans, Peter said this, Paul said this, listen, Paul says, a peace that will pass understanding. Here's a question to you. Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to worry, but God wouldn't let you worry? Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I'm about to lose my mind. I'm going to get a drink. I'm going to smoke some weed. I don't care what nobody's saying. I got to get myself. And all of a sudden, in the midst of you deliberating about how you're going to deal with it, God gave you a peace that passed what made sense. It didn't make sense for you to not be working and be at peace. It didn't make sense for you to be standing over your loved one and still be at peace. It's a peace that passes understanding. And the peace that you have, the world did not give it to you. And the world and your boyfriend or society or COVID or an executive order cannot take it away from you. Peace. So in the name of Jesus, I declare and I decree over every person listening. The peace of God. The peace of God. As we are in the season of Advent, this week, I'm encouraging you. I'm not going to give you a prescription of how to do it. I'm not going to tell you what to do. It's not my business. But you and God get together. And you decide, what will this week look like for me as I unplug here? As I unplug there for a moment. And I'm being still. If heaven can shut up for half an hour, you can shut up for half an hour. Come on now. So I encourage you to experience in this season the peace of God. You lost a loved one, nobody's minimizing that. That hurts. But the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard Keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. You've lost your job. I cannot imagine the pain of this season as many of you have lost all income. And the devil's making you think all kind of stuff. The peace of God. Oh my God, that's my song. And so in the midst of this unprecedented time and some of you all are struggling with sickness and disease I speak the peace of God as Jesus walked on the water and the disciples were just agitated 
He spoke to the situation. And he said, peace be still. He controls the winds and the waves. And if, if the Lord can talk to some wind and some waves, he can talk to your cancer. He can talk to your financial situation. He can talk to your struggle. He can talk to your loneliness. He can talk to your brokenness. And he can also say peace. So as we pray today, I just want to ask you to be honest about where you are in your walk with God. If you're listening and you know that you've never given Jesus an opportunity to be the one that directs your life, we're not perfect. Please don't look at us and be, oh man, I can't be like, man, you, we're on a journey. And none of us are perfect, but we serve a Savior that is. And if you desire to have this peace we're talking about, you've got to have the prince of that peace. His name is Jesus. Others of you, you already know Jesus, but maybe for whatever reason you've walked away, you've strayed away, you've become overwhelmed, and you need to come back home to him so that he can give you that peace. So if you're watching, if you're listening, would you just take a moment to pray this prayer? Would you just take a moment to bow your heads wherever you are? God, thank you for reminding us, God, in the book of Revelation that there, there's a moment that will happen that heaven will be quiet for half an hour. Peace will be echoing through the chambers of heaven. No noise, but quiet. Being still and knowing that you're God. And God, I pray that as we approach Christmas and remember that night that the shepherds were abiding out in the night, in the fields. I'm sure it was very quiet. You showed up. And when you showed up, you brought peace with you. And so, God, as we now in the stillness of this moment come, we ask that you would bring your peace to us. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us, and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT, or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot org that's simply spelled c-i-t-a-d-e-l of faith.org all one word we would love to hear your testimonies we would love to hear your prayer requests know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone let's change the world together one person at a time